0: Welcome to Living With Purpose, the interview series where Francis Lynch speaks to various people about what purpose means to them, and explores what gives them the energy to do what they do. Most people have got a story to tell, and these interviews show that extraordinary stories come from ordinary and not-so-ordinary people. So listen on as we explore purpose and meaning, and hopefully learn a little about some great people. This interview with Alicia Curtis is jam-packed with so much to think about. Alicia has been supporting the leadership development of people since she was a teenager and she's full of ideas on how to expand this work. I hope that you enjoy listening to this interview and that you might get the chance one day to meet and work with Alicia. Hi Alicia, thanks for coming to be interviewed for the Living With Purpose interviews. as part of this, I've given a, um, an introduction before um, we've started the interview, but I'm really interested in, in hearing from you what it is that you see yourself as, as being. What, what do you do? Who are you?
1: Who am I? I am uh, I'm a mum of a two-and-a-half-year-old. I'm a wife. I'm, I'm a sister and a daughter. Um, I'm a volunteer. I very much identify with being a community um, volunteer. And I run my own business. And I have done, never actually had a job before. <laughs> so I went straight into uh, being a business owner when I was 19 years old. Yep. And so through that, I'm very fortunate to be a leadership facilitator and speaker. So that's me in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, so it's lots of different things, really. Yeah, a few hats. Yeah. And is this something that uh, is a life that has evolved or is it one that was planned?
1: Definitely evolved, definitely evolved, but there were definitely some catalyst moments in my life. Um, I think the first one really was when I was 12 and I was accepted into an international children's conference. Oh, wow. And that had a huge, you know, impact in my life. Uh, I was just a dorky 12-year-old who lived out on a five-acre farm in Bullsbrook. Yeah. And uh, previous to that, I had been involved in my school environment club. And uh, that led to me uh, being accepted into this International Children's Conference on the Environment. It was the first one that the United Nations had run for kids, talking about the environment. So I I had two free tickets to fly me and my mum over to England to attend this conference. Three days, 800 kids from 90 different countries. Yeah. And I just felt so fortunate to be part of this amazing world event. And, yeah, it really changed the trajectory of my life. Um, You know, I came back from that conference just thinking – really realising the power that I had as a citizen to make change in my world. And, yeah, that that led me down a pathway to uh, connecting with other kids who had a similar um, uh, sense that they could make a difference. And we started the Millennium Kids, uh, well, the Kids Helping Kids Conferences as it was called back then. And, yeah, by the time I was 15, I'd run three of those conferences. We, you know, decided to run our own conference back here in Perth after the International Children's Conference. Yeah. And so, yeah, from a very early stage, I sort of um, got led down this pathway of then it just became this big snowball effect that, you know, (laughs) I just, you know, saw the opportunities and I took them. So...
0: So at 12, I mean, most kids don't really have an idea of where they're going to go or what's, what's really, um, you know, their core sort of interest or passion. So was that, you know, being part of it in that school environment group, that was showing that you were interested in something, wasn't it? And
1: yeah, you know, I sort of think, um, you know, I, I owe a lot to volunteering and not only volunteering but just committing deeply to a purpose that's um, bigger than just you. I think, you know, for, for kids especially, but for anybody, just to sometimes look, you know, outwards and, you know, instead of just looking inwards and how am I doing, you know, how am I, you know, uh, achieving my goals, but actually just having that broader uh, focus. So how can I impact the world around me? How can I impact um, people around me who are not doing as well as I am? Yeah. Um, I think that can... Um, teach us so much.
0: So, who were the people who really influenced you in those younger years when you were sort of 12, 13, 14, 15?
1: Well, my mum, obviously. My mum and my dad, really. You know, both in different ways. My mum was a very compassionate sort of person. She was a a nurse, um, but she became an early mentor for me. Um, You know, I still remember... We used to have the meetings in South Perth for the Kids Helping Kids yeah. Conference. So from Bullsbrook, it was a 45-minute car trip. And, you know, mum and I got to chat a lot. And then the debrief, you know, on the way home. Um, my dad was has been a business owner all his life, had his own business. So I learned, you know, different things from him. I, you know, we when I was 15, we went to Rostrum Club meetings um, to progress my speaking Um public speaking skills so yeah, you know yeah. they were hugely um uh integral in my journey but teachers also were you know a huge com- part of of that journey as well yeah. when i went into high school um, yeah. the principal changed over when i was in year 10 and he really took me in and and continued helping um develop my journey as a leader as a community advocate um as a team builder. Um, so, yeah, I learnt a lot uh, from just, you know, a whole range of teachers. Um, and then just other kids as well, you know, just getting different perspectives from other kids, you know, being involved in the Kids Helping Kids conferences. Yeah. Um, you know, the international element of it too, seeing that we were just we were broader than just Australia, that this is, you know, we're interconnected, um, we face the same challenges as kids all around the world. We can come from very different cultures, very different religions, but we all still had the same aspirations in life, the same challenges. So that was, you know, a wonderful learning to have early on um, and, and yeah, grow from that experience.
0: So it sounds as though there was a lot of um, bouncing off other people's energy and... and their ideas and passions as well.
1: Oh, definitely. You know, realizing that you you um, become even stronger when you have that diversity of perspective and opinion, uh, you learn and grow so much from talking to people that are very different to you. And then you realize that they're actually not that different at all, you know, <laughs> that we have a lot more commonalities than we yeah. do differences. So, um, you know, I can see how all of those have shaped the person who I have become and, and uh, and have led me down different experiences um, that have been just really beneficial to me personally.
0: So when you moved into that sort of more, uh, you know, getting into your late teens, early 20s, did things change? Was, were there different people that came into that sort of role of influence with you?
1: Yeah, definitely. So obviously um, graduated from high school, went into university and, and probably struggled a little bit to find my place in uni. Um you know, I was I was you know um, head girl at my school. I you know had a very strong uh, community around me in high school, and then you know changing to become you know this very uh, small part of a huge yeah, university yeah, yeah. was a you know it took me a, a while, and in the end, you know um, I I decided you know it was wasn't what I was looking for, um, and was lucky enough to be. Um, offered a different um, course uh, to do my master's degree before I'd finished my undergraduate. Um, But it was a master's in uh, leadership and management, which um, was just so what I was looking for really at that point because it gave me... You know, I had a, a sense that, you know, obviously community leadership, learning about leadership, but also thinking about leadership in a different way, how it could be accessible to young people. That was something of interest to me. I started my business um, just as I was um, changing over courses. Um, and I suppose that was, you know, that that second catalyst in my life that I realised that, you know, you, you make life what it is you know don't start don't follow anybody's pathways just because they're the pathways to to be had you know so many kids get lumped into university and have no idea why they're there and not they they can't connect that purpose to what they're studying yeah and I suppose I was a little bit like that and so I just went right this is not for me I'm going to change it up I'm going to start a business. Why not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that early business was doing what?
1: Uh, Youth leadership training. So, you know, just before I turned 19, um, I set up um, a business. I went into a small business uh, center and um, applied to do the NICE scheme, which is the new enterprise incentive scheme and he the the mentor there said oh you're not going to be able to make a business out of you know talking about leadership or you know working with young people with leadership and you know that was a bit of a red flag to a bull there <laughs> uh, right well i'll show you and uh and so for you know many years i would just go out and talk to high school groups uh, develop leadership programs um for a whole range of kids so i worked with you know indigenous borders um, at risk young people right through to you know student leaders uh student leadership groups i would run half day full day weekend retreats for student leaders just all sort of developing my own from my own experience and then what i was reading trying to create different leadership experiences for young people um and and it resonated with the young people it resonated with the teachers there's still some teachers that I work with and some schools that I work with still today who um still remember my mum driving me up to retreat venues oh okay Is this <laughs> when you i was had your yeah yeah <laughs> 19 years old pretty much so um yeah, yeah uh, there's been some great great people that i've connected with throughout the way and continue to work with um yeah, yeah. so
0: it was funny when I, I um was saying who I was interviewing at home here, one of my daughter well, my daughter, she said, Oh, I remember her coming to my school <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's, yeah, I did a lot of speaking, you know, yeah. it was a really good grounding into professional speaking, because if you could keep a group of, you know, 150 year nine students yeah. uh, occupied for 45 minutes, you could, you know, adults are a breeze <laughs> to talk to. But that, that was great because it kept you honest, I think, you know, it keeps you really honest to show your true self in those situations to not try and play anybody else, but who you are and get really good at telling stories and um and and show young people an opportunity that you know is really important to them because they they feel the the issues that are surrounding them you know they've they've got access to the internet to media to twenty four hour media, you know no world events can happen in the world without you finding out within hours of it happening
0: no that's right
1: um so yeah. they're feeling that they're feeling that helplessness they're feeling that vulnerability so to give them skills to be able to do something about that and show them that they've got power to make change i think is really important
0: yeah and i, I suppose i'm I'm hearing some of the things that you're saying, you know, around leadership and and giving people those skills and, and, uh, uh, you know, that that sense of working with other people, um, that they seem to be really important to you and strong. Um, If I was to ask you what do you see as the purpose in in your life now, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how would you describe that?
1: It's interesting. I think... You know, when you're trying to work out what your purpose is, there's a few things that I think you can sort of do, and this is what I've done really. Um, for me, I think purpose is, is really a simple concept. It's really about, you know, giving your greatest talents in greatest service to the world. Um, I think a lot of people get caught up in this holy grail search. What is my purpose? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... I think it's, it's nothing more difficult than just working out what are you good at and how can you serve the world with that. And and so for me, um, when I look at the patterns uh, in my life, it's always been around developing or igniting other people to see their leadership potential to be able to transform the world. You know, that's the leadership that I'm really excited about and passionate about. Um you know, not leadership for leadership's sake or not leadership for, you know, the the status or, you know, the profits at the end of, the, you know, the business day. It's, you know, how can we utilise the individual privileges that we've got uh, to make the world a better place for those around us and, you know, our workplace, our, com- our broader community, our family. Uh, it's all integrated, you um, so for me, it's, you know, I really work from that strengths-based approach, um, really getting people to understand what their key strengths are. Um, I think, again, you know, we can be clouded by or we're told, you know, follow your passions. Um, and, you know, passions are great. But, you know, I have a passion for tap dancing and, you know, um, watching theatre, but I'm not necessarily going to make a career out of that. Yeah. And I think this um, this encouragement that you've got to be totally passionate about what you're doing in your work uh, can sometimes misguide young people. Um, but I think you'll get there in the end. I think if you work on your strengths, if you develop mastery around your strengths, if you focus on that, if you put the hard yards in, the hard work ethic, then you start to become really passionate about, you know, your craft, your, your piece of mastery. So I think for, you know, young professionals or for anybody, focusing more on, you know, what are your key strengths and then developing mastery around that, you know, doing, being the diligent, patient, persistent uh, person that works yeah. on your, your um, key strengths will lead you down a pathway that um, you'll become incredibly passionate about. Um, so, you know, I, I'm really boring in that way that, you know, I just really encourage people just to put in, you know, the, the, the deep effort and commitment into their areas of um, strengths. And then, yeah, look at how they can use those strengths to better, you know, the people around them, to better society, to better their workplace.
0: Um, So finding the purpose and the passion from where you are in what you are doing.
1: Exactly, exactly, yeah.
0: Do you see a distinction between uh, purpose when it's related to work or uh, in in having a purpose around life as a whole? Because sometimes people separate the two.
1: They do. I mean, for me, it really has been integrated, but I suppose... um, it's it's some it sometimes is it sometimes isn't uh i think it's also good to remember that there is a purpose outside of work as well i think our culture can very much have us focused in on our careers only and that is the source of all um satisfaction um and then we kind of forget that there's this whole other side to our lives uh that nobody gives you awards for and nobody, um, you know, uh, interviews you on TV about. Um, But it can be deeply rewarding and, you know, satisfying too. And so um, I think, you know, for me, leadership really starts at home. It starts within the family, starts about, you know, creating relationships that, you know, are meaningful and, you know, that's – I don't think you can have one without the other. I think you've got to start at home mm-hmm. um, and we've got to focus in on or get back to family being the core of our community because I think we've lost that a little bit. Um, and obviously, you know, in the last couple of years I've, you know, had my first child.
0: Yeah, being a mother.
1: Brings that yeah. brings that on in, you know, such a huge way. Um, and obviously, my my husband and I have always been a really strong team together. But you know, having you know that first child just brings it to a new level, and you learn things about yourself, and you push to your absolute limits, um, and and you get just the best rewards out of that.
0: <laughs> oh, look, absolutely, it's it's an amazing part of life. It really is.
1: Exactly. So,
0: so do you think that um, over the last few years, yeah. and, and maybe as as you've uh, become married and then then had a child. I mean, do you think that that had that's influenced what it is you're trying to achieve through through your life with your purpose?
1: I think it has given me a different perspective on it. Definitely, definitely. Um, I think it's reminded me that there is more uh, to life than just career goals as well, which is a good reminder. Um, but I think also. I acknowledge that, you know, the person that I am is somebody who um, loves my career as well, and so that's not a bad thing either. And so it's about constantly uh, balancing that to how I'm feeling, you know, what, what's the best fit for me, um, and, and just reminding people, you know, who have that strong extrinsic motivation to succeed <clears throat> career-wise just to challenge them on their, you know, assumptions around that and making sure that they are living that holistic life because I think, you know, any one extreme is is not good for us. So, you know, to have that, you know, I think one of the questions I often ask myself is, you know, am I doing things in my career that my family would be proud of and using that as a question to, you know, keep me... Um, making the right ethical and moral choices as well. So I think our family can um, help guide us around those those decisions. Um,
0: so has that been a question that, you know, when you've asked that question of yourself, you've actually decided, no, I won't do something?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, you know, I think even just things like, um, I don't know, being on the computer in my office and having my daughter come in, and, you know, and being focused on My work, yeah, and you know, come on, mum. I want to, you know, come play with me. And you know, I've got two choices there. Yeah. The choice to go, no, no, go on back to dad, it's dad's day to look after you, or you know, or I could just take that moment and just yeah. walk out with her. Um, so, yeah, it's it comes back to really simple things,
0: yeah. So, it's not always those big, big ideas, big. Choices, so the type of so. you
1: know you got to think about who who's who is the person you want to be you know who do you want to um, be remembered for um, what are those personal qualities um, uh, that you want to be described yeah. as and just and leaving that at moment to moment to moment
0: yeah so it sounds like a almost a sense of mindfulness in in what you're doing
1: yeah definitely yeah yeah so
0: do you have a, a sense of looking forward and and are you one of the people in the world who plan 5, 10, 15 years ahead, or do you have the purpose for asking? Really, is to sort of say, do you do you have a sense of what whether your purpose is going to change as you go through the next ten or fifteen years?
1: Uh, I think the purpose that I've sort of been able to articulate for myself is something that's probably uh, encapsulated something for the last you know thirty odd years of my life. Um, I probably don't see that changing too much, you know, um, I think I'm on that journey of mastery and I'm happy to keep working on that, uh, and get deeper and deeper into what I do and being the best at that, um, and serving the world with that. Um, so I don't think, um, it will change. I think, um, the ways in which I do it might change, um, and you know certainly for my business I've got plans now to sort of expand expand the business now so it's you know bigger than just me presenting and facilitating so that's you know an interesting challenge so you know the the context of of the overall purpose will will definitely evolve and keep um, uh, finding new ways that will challenge me personally so um, but no I'm very committed to sort of Igniting leaders to be able to um, make the world a better place, really.
0: Yeah, I know uh, your your current uh, your company is called Elysium. Yep. And but you used to use the the terminology of revolutionary lives. Mm. So I mean. I, I'm interested in, in what that meant to you at the time. What it, you know, what was that? Yeah, so I still
1: I still do um, presentations on revolutionary lives and revolutionary leadership. And for me, it's really about um, becoming a revolutionary yeah, um, and almost a rebel, somebody who doesn't take uh, what society throws at them. Uh, and I think to live a really fulfilling life um, in the way I see you know, fulfilment, you do have to be a revolutionary in modern society because, you know, at every turn you're pushed into fame and fortune and, and beauty, basically. Those are the things that our external, you know, society mm-hmm. um, admires and uh, encourages. So I think to actually um, stand strong and actually turn away from that is actually, yeah, that's what you know, um, brings about the the revolutionary, you know, point of it, that you actually have to, you know, look like, um, um, yeah, you just have to be courageous in that because everything around you is pushing you in another direction. So that's what revolutionary lives are meant to me, to actually really live a, you know, a happy, healthy, fulfilling life. You actually needed to uh, invoke some sort of... Um, revolutionary tactics
0: (laughs) and so um, part of what i take from that too is is the sense of you know there's those those individual decisions that i need to make about my life Mm. about whether i'm going to live the
1: life that
0: others may want me to live versus the life i want to manifest
1: exactly yeah exactly and you know there's the decisions every day that we make around that um, and what's important to us so it's always, you know, that, that ability to self-reflect and making sure that you are living the life that you want, that um, is important to you, you are being the person that you want to be um, and making sure that your behaviours, your everyday actions are actually aligned with that. Um, it's an ongoing process because we can so easily um, fall into bad habits, you know. I uh, remember um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago my husband was sort of saying to me, you know, mobile phones, you know, uh, infiltrating the bedroom a bit. Um, <laughs> and, and he was right. You know, I'd got into this horrible, you know, habit of, you know, checking the phone before I went to bed, checking it, you know, when I woke up. Yeah, yeah. And, intellectually i know that that's a pretty terrible thing like you know it's not going to be good for focus for mindfulness for yeah. a whole raft of things but you can just you've got to pull yourself up constantly and just make sure that you you know the habits that you're doing every day is representative of the life that you want to live and and that purpose
0: so it's like self-reflection really
1: yeah exactly yeah. and i think people find self-reflection really hard these days and I think it is because we're living in such a distracted world that we don't actually have the ability to uh, focus and, um, you know, objectively look at our own actions. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's one of, you know, the best techniques I think you can uh, practice as a, as a leader is that ability just to be mindful of your own actions and the impacts it's making and whether your intentions is really linked to um, the behaviours and whether the outcomes or the impacts of that is really, um, you know, aligned with that intention. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, and it's hard in today's society when, you know, you've got email and media and, you know, you're just bombarded with yeah, it your keep
0: buzzing all the time. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. 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 So I know in your work, from what you were telling me, um, you get the opportunity to speak to groups and to work with uh, smaller groups of people and and so a variety of different things and I'm just wondering, you know, at times whether you get people come to you and and really have the conversation of, you know, I'm not sure where I'm going and, and, you know, I I need to to get a little bit more focus or purpose in, in my life. What do you do? What do you sort of say if somebody comes to you and asks you those sorts of questions?
1: Yeah, all the time. <laughs> I think we're living living in a meaning uh, deficit world. You know, everybody's yeah, yeah. trying to find what that overall meaning is for them and what they should be doing. Um, look, you know, a couple of things. Like obviously, that you know, that uh, reflection around strengths I think is important. Yeah, yeah. First yeah. off, that was definitely you know, I do a lot of that in my leadership programs. Martin Seligman has a you know a wonderful online um, survey that you can do, okay. right. um, uh, authentic on his uh, website, authentic happiness. So you know just firstly getting your character strengths you know off of yep. there, and again reflecting on you know what's really resonating with you um obviously volunteering is another thing that i highly recommend so again you know you've got to have that introspection and then just you know and then focus on you know outside so you know what are some ways that you can give that strength or skill set to a purpose that's broader than just who you are and i think you know i think in our instant sort of culture we tend to Uh, or over the, you know, the 20-odd years that I've been volunteering, I see people's volunteering commitment gets shorter and shorter and shorter. They expect all the benefits of volunteering in a three-month stint, you know, at an organisation or with a project. And I, I think it actually comes from, you know, something that you've got to commit a lot more deeply than that. So you know, how can you really see through something you know over many years? I yeah. think that's only you know when you're going to really gain a huge benefit from from that involvement. So you know, if you're willing to commit to that, um, you know, be in it for the long term. You know, really commit to something and and um, you know have it sort of integrate into your whole lifestyle um yeah you know volunteering has been the ways that i've um, built networks built skills um learned different perspectives um gained insight gained you know mentors um and i think it it can just lead us path down pathways that we wouldn't expect yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a huge advocate, obviously, for
0: volunteering. I know one of the programs that you're involved in is the Emerging Leaders Program that um, has been run over the last three or four years. Is it coming up for its fourth? Fourth year, fourth yeah. Year? yeah. And um, that started off as, you know, uh, getting younger people involved on aged care boards, but it sort of expanded into sort of not-for-profits generally. That's right. Um, and that's really, in a sense, what those people are saying is, is that they're prepared to volunteer to be involved with organisations over a longer period of time. Exactly. So, so what, what is it, do you think, that really draws those people into that, that desire, mm. the people you've seen on the program?
1: Look, we have such a range of people involved in that program. Some people are working, you know, within sort of the community sector, especially like aged care or health industries, and they're looking for ways to be able to make a broader impact. Um, over the last couple of years in particular, we've gained a lot of young people from different you know professional industries um law accounting engineering um, they see it as a way to develop their skills and i suppose through the program that we do uh we really challenge them to make sure that they've got that commitment because i'm not going to you know provide you know connect them with an opportunity to sit on a board unless they really understand who they are as a person what their values are and making sure that that volunteering commitment is really aligned with who they are as a person so we start a lot with that personal development um and then and then we look at you know because anybody can learn governance you know it's it's uh anybody can learn the skills to be a director in fact, you know, sometimes not having, um, you know, a deep understanding of, of the, you know, the sector or the issues can help you have a different perspective. And that's what you want on, on your boards, you know, a mixture of people who are going to provide different um, perspectives, ideas, ask different questions. And and a lot of the time the anecdotal feedback is that, yeah, they're asking hugely different questions than their typical board directors. So they, I think, one of the things that we've done differently with this program, though, is really foster those connections and, and relationships. A lot of the young people who have come to us have tried to get onto a not-for-profit board before, and it's not their skill level or their um, their governance knowledge that's held them back. It's really those uh relationships and connections so we're really lucky you know like yourself to have people leaders in the sector who have been able to give their time uh their mentorship their connections to these young professionals and it's made it um a hugely different opportunity to anything else that's out there um but yeah, we, we challenge them pretty pretty hard through the program um, yeah. to really think about what those values are and why they want to get involved. Uh, and then when they do, they just um, they just shine, you know. They just um, we've had so many um, so much feedback from different organisations that have just um, revelled in this opportunity to bring diversity in the. Into the boardroom, and obviously, you know, diversity is really seen a lot of the time as that gender or, or cultural background. And to get people getting their heads around age diversity being, you know, another type of diversity that yeah. we can bring in has been challenging for the sector as well, um, because it challenges a lot of notions around leadership and um, and who can provide what value. Um, so yeah, we've we've come up against quite a few. Traditional mindsets,
0: and and also, what's the role of a board? Yeah, you know, I yeah. think that's that's exactly. a fundamental question, which probably is in there as well.
1: Yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah, and and it's changing all the time yeah. um, because you, you know, traditionally, a lot of those organisations, the the visionaries were a part of that board, and now it's sort of changing to the visionaries of not for profits. A lot, some of the time, especially sort of younger people. Uh, coming from the CEO, um, they're the founders of the organisation. They're running with the organisation. So how can a board uh, support them in that journey? Um, And when, you know, traditionally your boards have been sort of a mixture of very, you know, risk-averse, traditional lawyer, accountant type people, um, yeah, it's it's really changing uh, the landscape of what a not-for-profit organisation looks like. And the, in the same way, business too, you know, business trying to find that purpose within business and look at ways that, you know, businesses don't have to be a bad word. Business doesn't have to be a bad word. Business doesn't have to be, you know, the um, the bad guy all the time and really having those social enterprises uh, or purpose-focused businesses. You know, I really sort of see myself as, yeah. you know, that business with a, you know, a broader purpose it always has been that
0: i think the the black and white sort of you know not for profit and for profit is long gone i mean there's there's a huge difference now i think interesting about the emerging leaders program too which sort of blew me away is i think it's both in year two and year three you had people come from the eastern states like each time one person come over who actually moved here for three or four months to do the program
1: and we had more that had applied as well. Yeah. So it's definitely something that's needed right across Australia. Um, you know, you, you're getting younger people who, yeah, have that strong desire to contribute and are looking for ways to, to build their skills, knowledge and, and connections in this area. Yeah. Yeah. So why wouldn't you tap into that? Why wouldn't you? You know, these are young people who are willing to volunteer their skills um, to serve the world.
0: Um, and I think the value to knowing that um, I'm not sure how many community partners you you have in that program now. I think it's
1: 34 now.
0: 34. So it's 34 different organisations who are saying, "Look, we value this and are prepared to put some money on the table." Um, so that that's I think that's money just and a, time, uh, money yeah, and time, yeah, money and time, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's an amazing shift over that four years.
1: Again, it's showing a different type of leadership. It's that real collective leadership. Yeah. Um, I know you 've had experience with with this too it 's not about you know whose logo is at the top it 's about thinking about what are the things that' is going to make our sector better and working together across you know uh, organi- organizations yeah. to make that happen. I think that real um, shared leadership is going to continue to um, be a marker of you know new leadership that's required um, to solve the problems that you know we're facing um, and you know that takes a lot of change around you know how we view um you know ego and um status and, and all of those elements um and not derive that um, satisfaction from being the first or being, you know, uh, the one who's leading this project, but actually deriving the satisfaction from the outcomes that you're actually achieving um, and actually, you know, being supportive of each other around that.
0: I think that's really important. I I think I see increasingly the opportunities or the, the examples where people are prepared to almost... Um, reduce their ego or reduce the, the profile if they can see that there is a, a better outcome that yep. everybody, you know, that the community receives as a result of that collaboration. And it's really, it's a it's a much better way of doing things. Oh, exactly.
1: Yeah. And, I, you know, to some extent, you know, I think that's why people get into the community sector. They, you know, they want to see that collaborative effort. Um, so I think a lot of people are, you know, supportive of that. You know, there's a few that are, you know, uh, still getting it, <laughs> and that's okay too. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you're a busy person, I mean, you know, with your family and your work and all the things that you're doing. So, so how, do you, how do you make it all work? Where do you get the energy to do everything every day?
1: The energy is not the problem. Uh, (laughs) The energy is the problem. It's too much energy and too many goals. Um, Look, you know, I couldn't achieve any of it without, you know, my family. You know, having a husband who is willing to, you know, um, not be supportive just of me, but just supportive that, you know, we both got goals and ambitions. And and also we want to both really co-parent, you know, our, our child. And so he's been involved, you know, from the very start, you know, he's taken half the parenting responsibilities. And I think for women to step up in, you know, leadership and career roles, we're going to need men to step up into those uh, parenting roles uh, more and more often because I think it's very hard for women to be able to do that without that support at home. But I think, you know, our kids get so much out of having, you know, you know, My daughter gets so much out of, you know, having my, you know, my husband around, you know, she learns different things from him. He's, you know, definitely got a different parenting style to me and that's a good thing, you know. They're going to learn great things from that. So, (laughs) um, you know, that's obviously um, a key part of that. I think obviously, you know, broader family as well, having the support of my mum and my sisters um, to support, My community and family life. Um, and I think then it's, it's realizing that, uh, you know, in, in your business and in your volunteering that it's not all about you, you know, and it's about having really that team approach. You know, I can't do everything with the volunteering, you know, boards that I'm a part of, but. That's not what it's supposed to be about anyway. So really drawing on the strengths of the teams that you're working in and making sure, you know, that you're contributing your strengths to that team and everybody else are are contributing theirs. So, um, you know, so it's not this whole, oh, my gosh, you know, if I step off this board, it's just going (laughs) to (laughs) crumble. it's It'll not' keep going <laughs> they'll keep going somebody else will stand in you know yeah, your place yeah. so just realizing that and you know you don't have to do everything so just keeping focused on what you can provide um, to the organization and making sure that the time that you do have to spend on that mm-hmm. you're very effective um, in what you have to do
0: so where's your learning now do you are there particular books or blogs or podcasts or you know, where where do you get your inspiration from?
1: Oh my gosh, my husband um, cringes every time the doorbell rings and there's another, you know, packet of <laughs> books that, you know, come from you know, some online bookstore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a very avid reader um, of different books, um, especially in that leadership, philanthropy, um, team building space. Um, I like books that really focus on what's the ev- evidence-based science that's coming out in these areas. Um, so, you know, a lot of the positive psychology sort of stuff and, you the conscious leadership sort of stuff is really, um, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Interesting to me. Um, I, uh, I'm always looking for a learning opportunity. One of the ones that I, I got this year was going over to Bhutan to the Gross National Happiness Centre. I'm Center. glad you brought that up.
0: I was <laughs> going to ask you anyway, so tell, us, tell, me more, tell me
1: more. Yeah, that was an amazing uh, experience. They, I had heard one of the facilitators speak at a philanthropy conference over in Melbourne and connected with him and He connected me with the centre, and it's still a growing uh, centre. So obviously Bhutan has the Gross National Happiness Index, which is a way that they measure progress of their country. So the king um, basically um, replying back to a journalist's question around the GDP of his country uh, quipped back, well, we actually don't measure our success based on GDP. We measure it based on our Gross National Happiness And so every two years, their government actually surveys everybody in their country according to the Gross National Happiness Index, which is nine different areas from health to education to uh, time with family um, to good governance. It's all a part of it. And so the Gross National Happiness Centre is a not-for-profit organisation which has taken the concept of... um, GNH and looked at how, spreading that across the world, and really looking at not only at a country level, but how we can utilise it in other in other sort of sectors or industries. So, education, um, the one that I went to was a business transformation course. So, how can we use the concepts of gross national happiness in our business? So, again, when you think about how do we measure success in a a company? Um, You know, the innovative organisations are looking at, you know, not just profit as a way of um, measuring success. And so we, we, you know, over the week we had, you know, international delegates from a range of countries. We talked about, well, what is enough? You know, what as a business are we really striving for? This continual sort of need for more growth, bigger better you know is is that the goal you know um and trying to look at it from a multi-stakeholder approach instead of just seeing the shareholders as the be-all and end-all who you know benefit from business there's actually a whole range of stakeholders that we need to look at and and they all have needs and the research is now showing us that companies that actually do look at that multi-stakeholder approach that do value their employees their clients, the environment, community. Actually, outperform companies that don't that actually have just that shareholder focus. So it's a really interesting time in business where we're actually really shaking the notions of what a successful company must yeah. look like, and I find that really exciting. So, have you
0: got ideas about how you uh, kind of work with that here?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, firstly, it's just really about sharing the you know the concepts and thinking and asking those questions. And I think business transformation can't happen without us first having that personal transformation. So, you know, a lot of my work is focused in on that personal transformation um, side and then promoting the different uh, measurements and uh, opportunities for business to really look beyond what they might be looking at currently. So there's a great... um, organization called B Corps or Benefit Corporation yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's a measurement yeah. uh, that businesses can go through to actually showcase that they're looking at things more broadly than just profits and um and it's sort of like an accreditation that businesses can get um to I showcase. Think There's been a couple of them in Australia there. Yeah, yeah, there, there is a few. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and it's growing. So it's it's great to see, and that came from America. I mean, there's different measurements that are happening in, you know, other parts of the world. So it's great to see, you know, different uh, countries taking on or different uh, geographical areas taking on these concepts and really challenging the status quo on what business is and does and how... Um, we how we relate to growth because in the end we've only got finite resources, um, and we're already pushing our world to its limits. Um, so how are we going to keep pushing this growth agenda? I think, it, like Anne, I, I think it's got to be taken in balance and um, and looked at more holistically. And I think. Business just gives, you know, you ask people who they are, you know, they identify through their jobs. So we've got a great opportunity to change people's identity of who they are through business. And, yeah, I find that really exciting.
0: Um, It sort of just struck me while you were talking too that it's not so far away from that 12-year-old girl who went to a conference in, you know, whatever it was, whenever it was, and, you know, some of those same concepts
1: actually sound like they're still there when you went to be Hugely, hugely, you know. Um, I Like I remember the speakers at the international conference, you know, and, and talking about, yeah, the, the same concepts that we still struggle. I mean, what is it, the 27th climate change conference we're just about to have? The 27th? Like how much talk do we need, people? Like yeah, let's just yeah. move it to the next <laughs> level. Come on. Yeah. <laughs>
0: we're sort of nearing the end of this um, interview and it's been such a nice uh, conversation. I'm just wondering, is there anything that that you're involved in that you'd like to sort of tell the
1: (laughs) listeners about? Well, my latest volunteering uh, project is, um, again, trying to shake up the status quo in an area, and that's in philanthropy. Um, And so 100 Women, we launched March last year, And it's a giving circle. So uh, a giving circle is where people come together um, and uh, donate a set amount of money or a a base amount of money that goes into a funding pool that that then is um, uh, given given away to different causes. And I'd had this idea for uh, a couple of years but just not had the time to really um, put it out there and... Then connected, you know, I was in the car talking to a friend about ideas to change the world, and shared the 100 Women idea. And she said, "Oh, this is great. Let's let's make it happen." So she was really the, you know, the push to you yeah. know get things rolling. Um, but it's amazing to see, you know, how it's resonated with people. And I think this concept of citizen philanthropy has really sort of um, started to excite people. as philanthropy you know when you look at the root of that word it's about lover of humanity and people are looking for ways to contribute to that greater purpose that greater humanity and philanthropy is a great way to do that um and so yeah we we started last year um we fundraised just over a hundred thousand dollars and gave it away to three causes and this year we're in our second year we' just uh, we've just released our five grant finalists and still taking donations till the end of the year um, and hopefully we'll have hopefully around ninety to a hundred thousand dollars to give away and For me it's exciting to show that you know philanthropy or philanthropists don't have to be rich, famous you know a lot of the time older men um you know that's the face that we associate with philanthropy um and it's been exciting to say hey actually philanthropy doesn't have to be like that you know you can come from a whole range of different backgrounds and be a philanthropist you can give your money you can also give your time you can give your networks um so really trying to redefine or change that story of what philanthropy is about um and I've just come across the most amazing people and, and causes um, and learned so much about grant-making myself that it's been great to, you know, we're trying to empower people to be philanthropists, be powerful philanthropists. How can we use our money to make the world a better place? And for me, you know, I've always sort of donated my time and my skills um, it's been great to learn about, okay, well, you know, now I'm a part of a group, a collective group that's, you know, giving away $100,000 a year. I've not been in that, you know, i no. had that experience no. before. Um, so um, it's great to develop my skills around philanthropy and how you choose, you know, organisations and projects that are really going to have that long-term change. Um, and it's a bit of the head and heart sort of stuff. Um, but being able to do it with others who um, are still learning too has been a great experience. And I think uh,
0: uh, in the last interview I did with Nikki Howe, she also mentioned 100
1: Women. Yes, so she's I heard. Thanks, Nikki. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I've spoken to a couple of other people just personally who've been connected to it. And I think one of the things which you're mentioning but I've heard others say too is it is that sense of, you know, probably in the past over the years, individuals have given money to other organisations or charitable organisations or whatever, and you get to tax time and you might have given $500 or $1,000 or whatever over the Mm, year. mm. But in this way, um, it's a lot more personal in the sense of that um, you actually are... You know taking responsibility for where it's going to go and you
1: get to choose yeah. yeah in the end like you know the grants subcommittee goes through all the applications they read them they ring you know the organizations up they do the checks yeah. um in the end you know every member gets a vote uh, on where the money goes so there, there is that uh, concept of you educating yourself on what the issues are and for us you know we give a lot of credit to the not-for-profits who are doing the work and we don't have themes or um you know topics that we will uh fund versus others um in the space of you know empowering women we really try and allow not-for-profits to tell us what are the key issues and a lot of the time they're, they're the experts, you know. We, um, we can learn from them yeah. in that yeah. way, but we can also share our knowledge and expertise, our perspectives, and and challenge each other around, okay, well, here are the finalists, you know, where do we think the money's best going to be spent? And in the end, like, you know, I'm going to give $1,200. That's not, you know, a small contribution for a person, you know, on an average wage. But I know that the money that I give, that $1,200 is going to be spent in the absolute best way because of the rigorous grant-making process that's going to happen. We've done the checks, we've asked the questions, we know that yeah. um, we're going to get the impact for that money. And in our time-poor society, you know, where people do want to donate but they're not sure where to donate to, who to start with, what projects need most help... It's a really great, safe environment for people to come, learn more about philanthropy, uh, come together as a collective and then, you know, see the benefits of that money um, and, you know, go visit the organisations and have that long-term, you know, relationship with those organisations um, and see the benefits of, you know, what you've helped ha- make happen.
0: Yeah, long may it continue. I hope it goes from strength to strength. and Well, it continues in that you know, yeah. the energy around it really goes over really, the next It's really years. sort of,
1: um, you know, it's a simple concept that just resonates with people. It's, um, it's nothing more than that. And we're bringing together such a diverse group of people that I can't see um, how it can't keep improving. Like, we're, we're definitely a young organisation, so, we're, you know, we're testing things out we're yeah. experimenting. But I think with the people who are joining, both men and women who are joining, families... Um, We've even, you know, uh, innovated slightly around, you know, what you can give. So usually um, with different giving circles, there's that minimum of how much you can give. Uh, And for us it's $1,200, $100 a month really. Um, But there were a lot of people who said, oh, I can't do the $1,200 a month. How can I still be involved? And we had that right from our launch. And we thought about it and we said, okay, we're going to start mini circles. So you can get your book club together. You can get your family together. You can just get a whole bunch of friends together. Or some people are, you know, joined a mini circles as absolute strangers and, combine their money, and they've got their one vote uh, between them. Okay. But it's, again, you know, it's just changing the rules when they don't work for you and being inclusive (laughs) and, you know, trying new things. And we've had a lot of mini-circles join this year, which is great. It's great. Yeah, so six people might join and
0: put $200 in.
1: Exactly, exactly. So a mini-circle, you can... Uh, you know, from a receiving receipting point of view, we can give up to six receipts <laughs> in a <laughs> mini circle. Um, but you know even some um, clubs have joined you know um, you know, community clubs which has been great to get their support to you know traditional clubs or organizations that have been around for many, many years. How they're supporting you know a new sort of innovation around philanthropy it's been great and it comes back to that collective leadership. You know yeah. we're all working towards the same things. How can we support each other and share our own sort of organisational strengths?
0: And even the name, I think, "a hundred women" actually signifies strength.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's
0: the, it is that collective. You know, as a hundred people,
1: exactly, are you know, strong. Exactly, yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. what it's about. It's a symbol of what what can happen when people come together. Really,
0: yeah. yeah. I think we better finish.
1: <laughs> and the other guys <laughs> will start talking. <of>
0: <laughs> It's been such a wonderful time to have you here and um, to talk about a whole range of things. And, and I can see, uh, I can really get the idea that, you know, we could have spoken probably for uh, <laughs> 30 or 40 minutes on a number of those topics. Um, but it's, I can really see that sense of purpose in what you're doing and, you know, the energy and the, the vitality that you have around that. And... I've seen that in the way that you've worked with people in in groups and, and sessions and um, long may it continue. I hope that um, you get the opportunity to um, uh, to continue to really build and, and express those those strengths and purposes that you have in all the things that you're doing over the, the coming years.
1: Thank you and thanks always for your support. I really appreciate
0: it. No worries. Thanks, Alicia. Thanks for listening to the Living With Purpose interview series. There are show notes for each episode that you can get on the www.livingwithpurposeinterviews.com website. You can also connect with Francis on Twitter at underscore Francis Lynch, on LinkedIn, or on email at francislynch.me at gmail.com. And if you've enjoyed this episode as a podcast, then subscribe on your player
1: and tell your friends. Thanks and join us again soon.